Welcome back to the Influencer Marketing Roundup, brought to you by Linkia. I'm your host, Keith Bendis. We are going to cover the top stories from a very big, busy August. As always, three parts to this. We're going to do top stories and news across the social platforms. Then we will talk about some of the best brand influencer work we're seeing in the market and end this with the top reports and research worth reading in the industry. We'll start with TikTok. TikTok had an interesting month. A lot was centered on shopping and commerce. The three main stories to highlight would be, one, they banned links to outside e-commerce sites. Very interesting move. Again, this is in the evolution of TikTok becoming a retailer, almost more than a marketplace. And frankly, they are a direct competitor now to most, most other retailers. So they shut down links to outside e-commerce sites like Amazon. They shut down storefronts. So all of the Shopify partnerships that they were pushing originally, they shut down those storefronts. And all the while, Shops, which is the big push for them, is on track right now to lose more than $500 million in the U.S. this year. So they're making their intentions very clear. TikTok is betting big on commerce, and TikTok is going to be a retailer. They're going to sell their products directly. They're going to fulfill their products directly. This is a competitor to retailers out there. I've talked about the fact that I think it's a really brilliant move long term, but I also do think they made the move a little too quickly because now all of the retailers that they could have gotten on board to be merchants may change their tune on how they view TikTok. So smart move for sure, maybe too quick because now they might not be able to onboard all the retailers that they were trying to court over the last year to sell through their platform. So that was the big news out of TikTok. Other news out of TikTok was their algorithm will now be optional in Europe. So the EU has the Digital Services Act. That is way stricter, frankly, than most of the US laws and regulations for social media. But this is something that I would like to see come to the US, I think will come to the US. The basic premise is you're giving users a lot more control over what content they're being served and the algorithms that are dictating what they're being served. So users are able to view popular videos from various locations rather than personalized content if they want now in the EU when they're using TikTok. So it's a very interesting change and it may permeate beyond Europe. I don't know if TikTok will voluntarily do that because they would prefer to have more control and serve you what they want to serve you to keep you engaged. But I think this is a really big win for social media users. The final news out of TikTok was that they added required labels for AI-generated content. And actually, Instagram is doing the same. That was news this month as well. So both platforms rolling out labels for AI-generated content. This seems like it has to happen. It needs to be easy for the user to identify when something is AI-generated, especially with the rise of deepfakes and all of the concern that causes. But I like this. I like that the, the platforms are being very proactive it will help a lot with, with safety moving forward, with privacy moving forward. So big thumbs up to both platforms for, for taking action. Staying now on the meta train, in addition to Instagram's news, they're rolling out new tools that show which influencers brands are working with. I love this. I played around with the tool. I think it's still very early. It's clearly an alpha or beta. It's not rolled out completely and the feature set is not fully you know, robust but it clearly has the potential. If you search for a brand, it will tell you the creators that they're working with. This is really amazing for brands who want to do competitive research, 
who want to understand what other brands who have similar personas but aren't competitive, who that who in what type of influencers they're working with and potentially other partnership opportunities. And then for creators, it's a dream. You can search for brands, understand who's active with influencers, what other influencers are they working with. So I think this tool is very, very smart. Again, it seems very early. They might have released it to get out there fast versus it being very robust because when you search different brands, you don't get a ton of results today. But as they develop this tool, I will certainly be using it more and more often. Meta also released new multilingual AI translation models. This is across almost 100 different languages. And this news went a bit under the radar. It's not the sexiest of news, but I'd argue it's one of the biggest revenue opportunities for creators and content scaling opportunities for brands. For creators, we've seen Mr. Beast made news. He's perfecting this on YouTube. He's testing audio, dubbing for 11 of his top videos in 11 languages. And the results for him are staggering. I mean, if you think about the ability for him to scale his content to virtually every part of the world and people can watch the content in their native language, that gives his user base a massive boost. It's an amazing opportunity for, for any creator. And on the brand side, it's pretty similar. You have a lot of content today that can't be scaled to other geographies. And if you can use these AI translation models, it allows you to do that immediately. Now, this doesn't replace the need to work with local creators who, who understand the traditions, understand the language nuances, understand the culture. But at the end of the day, you know, a lot of the content that brands are producing through creators or themselves do have legs outside of their country's origins. And this is an amazing opportunity. So I would not sleep on these AI translation models from, from Meta or from obviously YouTube. Instagram, the other news is they're internally testing the ability to create 10 minute reels. We saw this with TikTok. It was only a matter of time until they brought this to reels. It's kind of like IGTV. It's not the exact same, but I feel like it's a very, very similar premise. So we'll see how that is adopted by users and by creators. They're also letting creators now highlight comments in their stories. Comments are, are a really valuable element of content. I'm seeing very savvy brands starting to translate comments and, and things like tweets into actual creative, using those comments in creative on programmatic display, OLV, etc. This is now giving that opportunity to make it really easy for creators to use comments in their stories. So I think it's a smart move. It lets them engage further with their audiences. And then threads, we have to end on, on Meta News with threads. They're adding new features and they did officially launch their web app. They're getting closer to parity to X or Twitter, whichever one you still want to use. But is it really exciting enough to drive new users and bring back the huge majority that have dropped off? I'm going to guess not. These aren't unique outside of the box features. They really are just existing X features that threads hadn't implemented yet. You know, we heard Musk, or sorry, uh, Zuckerberg in the last earnings report call reference things like, well, we haven't even relaunched the web app, and when we do, that will be a spike in users. I'm just not sure if they're going to see spikes unless they release something that really is unique and ownable. Moving on, YouTube. YouTube is no longer allowing clickable links in shorts descriptions. But interestingly, we'll now allow up to 14 links on your channel profile. So clickable links and short subscriptions going to make it very hard for affiliate 
style of campaigns and content, because if you can't link in your shorts descriptions, how do you really do affiliate work in the shorts place? So a big downer for especially affiliate companies, but there, you know, YouTube is saying it's because of, of privacy. It's because of, um, of a bunch of spam. So I get that. It does make some sense. And I don't think they would do it to be detrimental to affiliate. I mean, they're running their own affiliate programs, uh, but that is something to watch out for. And then the other one was they're previewing a new option to link shorts clips to longer video uploads. That one's brilliant. It's already the strategy of a lot of creators and brands is post short content. And the point of that content is ultimately to drive to your, your longer form to drive subs. The fact that you can now do this with actual links just makes it even easier. And again, it's, it's what people are doing. YouTube smart, they're seeing that and they're making it easier for them to do it. On to X, Musk said X won't take a cut of any creator subscriptions until $100,000 in lifetime earnings. We always like to see things like this. Give creators more and more power, give them more percentages of the revenue. By having a baseline, it prevents the smaller creators from really being taken advantage of. So this, I think this is really welcome news. They're not the best option on the table for this. If you actually look at a chart, the information did a great chart on what all of the different platforms are paying out. Some are still completely, there is no base minimum. They're just completely free and, and 100% creator earnings um, until they might decide otherwise, but there is no 100K tier. So it's not like they're the best option in town, but this still is a really good way to, to incentivize, especially smaller creators. And the other part of Musk's announcement is that he said he would speak to Apple CEO Tim Cook to try to reduce the 30% fee that Apple takes from purchases. I don't know anyone who agrees that Apple should be able to take a 30% fee, especially when you get into the minutia of in-app purchases and in-app subscriptions and, and double click into creator revenue that they're taking. It is ridiculous. So this was one of the few Musk wins and positive things that have come out of his mouth on, on the X side. The other news out of X is they're significantly reducing the requirements of its creator ad revenue share program. So now creators need to be one, subscribe to X premium or verification of your organization, have at least 5 million post impressions over the past three months. That's down from 15 million, although I'd say that's still the hardest of the requirements and have 500 followers in the app. So it makes it much easier to qualify, um, but the payments will likely not be enough for most creators to offset even the, the cost of X premium. So every creator, you have to decide for this yourself. If you can now qualify based on the new qualifications, why not, you should do it. But it's a big question mark if it's gonna be worth it monetarily. They're also no longer allowing advertisers to promote their accounts within the platform's timeline. So this was a really common way as brands to attract new followers and was once in a hundred million dollar business for Twitter. And follower ads, they're definitely easy to sell. They're static content. They don't leverage any of the multimedia tools like video that X is leaning into. And so I, again, I do credit Musk here. He's putting his money where his mouth is. If it's that big of an ad business for them historically and they're willing to just rip it up, it's because they do firmly believe in the multimedia future. And the final news was Musk announcing X will remove blocking features. This got a lot of, a lot of buzz, mostly negative, and it, and it is a head scratcher. It's probably not enforceable, to be honest. If you look at Apple and Google's App Store rules, they have rules around blocking, so I don't know how they would actually implement this. But blocking is an important way for creators and brands to be able to manage their communities. 
And yes, X has muting, and that's what Musk was saying, that you can use muting, you don't need blocking, blocking is unnecessary. But sometimes muting is not the right thing because people can still engage with your content and, and comment. And even if you can't see it, for those that don't know what muting is, you won't be able to see it if you mute someone, but others will still be able to see what they're commenting on your content versus blocking, they really can't engage at all. Let's go to Amazon. Amazon made a ton of news this month. They offered influencers $25 for videos and it led to major creator backlash. Obviously, it wasn't their intention. I think they clearly wanted the focus to be on the bigger 12,500 payout for 500 videos offer. They didn't ever use the words $25 per video, but pretty easy divisional math gets you to $25 per video and that is quite insulting to creators. So they were not shy about harassing Amazon and calling them out and there were quite funny comments and memes, um, but a real snafu for Amazon. Let's see if they revisit this. At the end of the day, the it's on creators. If there's enough creators who are willing to do this at $25 for video, there's no reason Amazon's going to pivot. But if creators do what they should do and say, no, I will not create content at this low of a rate, Amazon will clearly have to revisit this. LinkedIn had news. We never really talk about LinkedIn. They rolled out their brand partnership tags. That was one piece of the news. Obviously, they're showing that they want to lean deeper into creators with that. Most platforms have brand partnership tags. It's, it's a good move for, for LinkedIn. The other one I loved is they're now auto-following on newsletter subscribers. So if you have a newsletter, which everyone should have a newsletter, every business should have a newsletter, every brand should have a newsletter, it's a no-brainer. But now everyone that follows the newsletter will also follow your, your actual account. So really, really good way to grow your following through content. It wouldn't be a month if we didn't mention a new social media platform, so let's just do it. <laughs> We are eight. If you've heard about this, it's it's a platform and the premises get paid to watch ads. They're saying it's a hate free social app. It launched in the US. It's all an alternative to hate to hate speech and misinformation that people are complaining with other platforms, you know, hint, hint X. And the ad model is that people can opt in and get paid to watch the ads. The money could be withdrawn. It could be directed to charitable causes. I know they're feeding America, save the children, water.org on there. It, the, the company, if you read some of the articles, they have very ambitious plans. They're saying they're going to attract 80 million people in the first two years. I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical of every new social media platform. I think it's very, very difficult to scale a platform unless you have an existing massive user base like you saw Threads had, and even they are having a lot of trouble retaining. But I do like the idea of getting paid to watch ads. It's obviously a theme this year and last, and we're going to see more and more products and platforms launch where users can get can monetize their attention. The final bit of news was the Creators Guild of America launch. There was a lot of talk of SAG last month and SAG releasing new influencer guidelines, giving them an off-ramp so that any influencer can really join SAG. The Creators Guild of America is saying they want to be the, the place. They're going to attract all the influencers and creators. They're going to be the group that provides members with the benefits that they want. They talked about accreditation for projects, education, career mentorship, job opportunities, networking events. And then they, I thought this was interesting, they plan to launch a database that provides a record of creators' work. So think IMDB, something along those lines. Members would pay a $99 annual fee, while associate membership is offered for free, but it would have fewer benefits. There's clearly an opportunity for, I guess you'll call it unionization in the creator economy. So far, it doesn't seem like any group is offering enough value to attract the masses, but I anticipate we're going to see more groups 
I anticipate we're going to see more of communities being built and, and creators starting to join or at least test these things. All right, that's all the top news we have. Let's just capture a few of these great brand influencer campaigns for the month. As always, we list all of this with links in our LinkedIn newsletter, so please make sure you check it out. But the ones I'm going to highlight this month, Cetaphil, very interesting work out of Cetaphil. They do a great job with influencers in general. They're now leaning into makeup artists as the next wave of skincare experts. So it's a shift in their marketing strategy. They're collaborating with makeup artists. If you know Alex Mayo, if you know Hong Vango, go check out some of the work they're doing with Cetaphil. But by working with makeup artists, they're, they're coloring outside of the lines of what is the bullseye of skincare professionals. And I tell brands this a lot. Sometimes the non-obvious persona of the influencer creator is the most impactful. If you're a beauty company and a beauty creator posts about beauty products every day and you're the thousandth post of a beauty product, will you stand out as much as a parenting influencer who doesn't talk about beauty and then you're kind of the first or, or the second post about it? You know, it's, it's a little bit of both, but I think Cetaphil is doing something really smart and they're saying we're not just going to focus on this bullseye persona. There's a lot of rings outside of that bullseye that are really valuable. I also want to highlight Polaroid. They're using influencers to pitch, pitch analog imperfections. I like this a lot. Obviously, Polaroid in its product and how you think of a Polaroid is an analog product. And the, the thematic of one nostalgia is very popular with the millennial and older generations. And then anything that's analog and encourages you to get off social media, surprisingly, even though they use it more than anyone else, is very popular with the younger generations. So they've transcended the generational shift here. And I think it's a really smart idea. They're working with photography influencers. I also love in general working with professional photographers, videographers, producers when it comes to influencers because the content quality is just out of this world. So they're getting beautiful content. They're resonating with all different generations. They just did a really good job. Other ones, just call outs. We're not going to dig into them. haagen talked about how it's meeting its, its $1.5 million commitment to underrepresented creators. It was an interesting read. Peacock put an episode from the show Killing It on TikTok. The episode's available in five separate videos, each ranging from three to eight minutes long. Very interesting. Gives me Quibi vibes. But the fact that these entertainment companies are going to social is, is a telling narrative of what's coming. A top NCO says social media influencers can give the U.S. military a recruiting boost. If you thought there was any industry that did not need influencers, there is none out there. Even the military is talking about it. So I would encourage reading that article. It's very interesting. And then finally, there's a great article on fossil fuel companies turning to influencers. Another example of everyone thinks, oh, it's beauty, it's fashion, it's CPG. It's every industry. There is no industry out there that doesn't need creators and influencers to one, build content for them that resonates with younger consumers on social and older consumers on social. And two, who are tastemakers of a specific topic, of a specific category, of a specific expertise, who can speak to the audiences, and that's where they're going. So that's our brand highlights. Let's end this with reports worth reading. Number one, collective voice survey shows influencers are already planning for the holidays. Hopefully that's not too surprising for most, but the data showed that nearly 50% of influencers are already getting into the holiday spirit and planning out their social media content for the holiday season. This means if you are a brand and you want to end holiday deals with influencers, you are running out of time. The, the number that are available is going to go down every day and the rates are going to skyrocket as it gets closer. So I know it's the summer, but you need to start 
planning, contracting, and getting things locked for the holidays now if you haven't already. Second survey data came out of Tenuity. They're showing TikTok is driving CPG purchases. No surprise there, but social media led by TikTok now drives more new packaged goods product purchases for Gen Z than TV. That's pretty remarkable. The survey also found that 85% of the generation's respondents said they've bought CPG products in the past year on the recommendation of online influencers, well ahead of other age groups. So we know social media and influencers are, are influencing purchasing heavily across all age groups, but the numbers around Gen Z are astounding. So interesting tenuity research. June survey data from advertiser perceptions showed that marketers are ramping up social spending. They're turning the taps back on social media 51%, according to the research, of media decision makers on the brand and agency side of the business, planning to increase their investments in the category this year. What's interesting is while brand marketers express a preference for social over TV, agencies are more likely to ramp up their TV and linear investments at 61% and 36% of those surveyed. So it seems like brands are very gung-ho about influencer, very gung-ho about social. Agencies, maybe not surprisingly, because a lot, especially on the creative side, are making their money off of these big-time productions that, that are put on CTV and linear TV, still will default to those channels often. Finally, Meta's earnings report shows Reels is actually catching up to TikTok. More than three quarters of Meta's advertisers are now using Reels ads, and the annual revenue run rate for Reels exceeds $10 billion. That's up from $3 billion last fall. That's pretty incredible. So that brings Reels into much closer contention with TikTok, which, according to the insider intelligence data forecast, will have $13.16 billion in ad revenue worldwide this year, and that's up from $9.89 billion in 2022. So 13 billion versus 10 billion, it's getting to be a competitive game out there. The uh, the red flag is really, you know, Meta will tell you this directly, the future monetization growth from Reels, it's gonna happen at a slower rate than stories and feed. It's just the nature of how these content formats are and how you can include advertising in them. Since people don't scroll more, they scroll more slowly through video content. And then time spent's another factor. So U.S. adult Instagram users will spend 33.1 minutes per day on, the, on, on Meta this year, well below the 53.8 minutes on TikTok. So while the revenue numbers are getting closer, uh, TikTok is still seeing much more time spent. All right, that is all we have. Make sure you check out the LinkedIn newsletter to get all of these links and information. We're expecting another busy month in September. I don't think there is such thing as a non-busy month in the world of social media and influencer marketing. So we will see you then. Happy marketing.